Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Stoke have won and typically Ben isn't here to dissect three points for the Potters. So I'm joined by Chris Brammer. Hello there, David. And it's a welcome return for the Peter Crouch of the pod, Tom Thrower. How are you doing? Who cares? I'm liking being called Peter Crouch. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Because I am neither tall nor thin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, some three-word reviews on Stoke City 2, Southampton 1. Who replaces Crouch? About time 2, whatever it takes. Strong drink needed. Hughes out now. Due for president. Vimmer cost what? 30% possession. Papered over cracks. Fucking heart attack. Crouch should start. Fingernails gone. Much needed win. Chris, mm. this was a much needed win, wasn't it? It was a much needed win, definitely. Especially after um, the results against Newcastle and Chelsea and Bristol, for that matter. I don't know if it was the reaction that we were promised. It wasn't even a good performance. There's an argument to say we may have even played better against Chelsea, but came away with a 4-0 loss. I don't know. But it was much needed. And as they put on match of the day, you need a nice victory to go into the international break and, you know, not have a defeat hanging over our heads. So I'm I'm very happy with it. I was going to say, Dave, you sound a little bit hoarse this morning. Is that a result of a, of a Peter Crouch goal? I think that's got something to do with it, yeah. <laughs> I've also been coming down with something, so a combination <laughs> of several things. Uh, Tom, uh, obviously, Chris is obviously very positive about the result. Uh, where did it go right for us yesterday? What did we do well? Um, I, I think for the first half, at least, we had a game plan and stuck to it. I don't know who mentioned the 30% possession in uh, in the three-word match reviews, but I think that was definitely a plan in the first half to sit deep, let Southampton have the ball and try and break away. That went awry in the second half and we were too deep and invited on the pressure. But yeah, I don't know, it, it went right when Shakiri had the ball and not too right any time else. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, not a classic performance by any stretch. I mean, there are issues in that performance that we'll no doubt go on to. My kind of big takeaway from the game was whilst we deserved to win, we'd have also deserved to have drawn it given the kind of manner in which we played, particularly in the second half, where we just seemed determined to shoot ourselves in the foot. And I thought when they equalised, then that, that was it. We'd done it because we sat very deep and gave them a lot of the ball. And that suits us in a way, I think, because I think we're better on the counter-attack. We don't really cope well with having long, sustained spells of possession. But that just makes it all the more nerve-wracking when you're 1-0 up and you've got guys like Kevin Vimmer, who was just kind of charging about everywhere, giving the ball away. And we just kind of struggled to really establish ourselves on the game. So it was a weird, weird performance. We deserved to win, but we didn't play particularly well. Southampton, I thought, were absolute garbage, save for Lamina in midfield. Jesus, you can see why they've not been scoring goals, because there just didn't seem to be any urgency about them at all. They didn't seem to have any kind of creativity, and we kind of tried to help them as best we could. Like, come on, have a goal, have a go, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was going to say, I, I agree with you, Dave, that I think as a team we we suit a counter-attacking system more than we do holding on to the ball. I think we brought this up in the in the preview podcast that we did for patrons where we, we are a team where if we are given the ball, we don't really know what to do with it. Um, saying that, I think, as you said in the beginning, and I'm sure Tom will agree because he is the, the stats and tactics man, but... I, I felt yesterday we just we were sat in 
sat so so deep that actually there was any counter attack had to any any attacking players trying to launch a counter attack almost had to do double the work because they were mm. so far in our own half that they had to run almost like a marathon's length of the pitch to to spring a counter attack there was a it, we kind of made a rod for our own backs in with how deep we sat at least that's how it felt to me yeah i think we we looked like we Go changed on. formation but the right-hand side of the team changed formation, but didn't let the left-hand side of the team know. So, Juve was sort of sat in front of Cameron as a winger would sit in front of a fullback, but Peters was still playing wing-back on the other side. So, it just... And it, it came to a head when Johnson came on and tried to um, take up the same position as Juve in front of Cameron. I don't know who it was. It was, yeah. it was either Fletcher or Cameron who bollocked him and were like, no, you're playing wing-back. And it, it, it just all seemed to be going on for so long... And Hughes, yeah, there's some positives, set pieces, kudos on that. He's done really well to fix set pieces because we look lethal from them now. (laughs) But but Chupo was sitting too deep for the entire second half. Yeah. And the formation was wonky. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was a very lopsided uh, team in the second half. And Shakiri and Crouch were kind of isolated as a front two at times. And you thought... is this going to work? Shakiri and Crouch is the deadly combination. Um, <laughs> but we did have spells where we broke away and it all seemed fine, but I, I was a bit concerned that that was our tactic at one all was just kind of <laughs> see if we could break via Shakiri and Crouch because Crouch isn't the Eddie Hazard-esque take you from back to forward kind of player. No. He, he's a target man. So uh, very strange, but uh, we, we got the win. Uh, and I suppose that's all that matters, guys, because uh, there's no point talking about any, anything else. <laughs> um, uh, we'll talk about the goals. Of, of course, uh, Manjuf, header from a corner. I think Shakiri's crossing has got better this season. I think he's he's. I think he got one against Man United, uh, a corner goal. So is is that right, or have our approaches to corners just got better? I think it's a bit of both. If honest, I think that we are. Um... I don't know if we're, we're practicing corners more, but we seem our movement in the box seems to be a lot better. And yeah, I, I would say Shakiri's uh, crossing from corners has definitely improved. We're we're beating the first man. Like that's the main thing mm. now. It's it's um it feels like it's something they've worked on at least. And I I, I think Shakiri as a whole has been brilliant this season. I think he's been that. When we said at the start of the season, with an out of itch gone, Shakiri needs to raise his game and become like the creative force. I think he's doing it so far. He's he's getting he's sitting deeper as we've said before, and and it is just working. He God help us if he doesn't stay fit for the whole of the season. Which you know it's Shakiri. Oh, so. you've said it. I know. Oh, no, oh, my my bad. But he he has he has been. He he's looked much more instrumental so far this season. So yeah, I'm I'm very happy with him. I don't know if anyone noticed at the start of the season. The um, I think it was the physio team, the medical team at Stoke said we think we've got to the bottom of what goes wrong with Shakiri, and I think he's playing right. like that. Right. He play he, he looks like someone who isn't petrified of breaking a calf. Oh, I didn't <laughs> it, see uh, that. That's good then. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe uh, did they? Uh, s- did they send him to some magic man in the mountains of Italy, like Inter did? <laughs> hmm. Maybe. Yeah, um, I think Sh- Sh- Shakiri's been our best player this season. Yeah, on the set of pieces, I think it actually looks like we've studied who we're playing and tried to find a weakness. Um, like, Phil Jones was the weakness against Man United because we put a lot of those whipped corners into the back post where he was marking and 
Chupo got the better of him for the goal and it seemed like we'd spotted a gigantic hole in Southampton's defensive corner system mm. this weekend because was, there was no one near Juve. He just sort of was on his own. It was brilliant and I've really enjoyed him. I thought we were good against Chelsea set-piece wise as well. I thought that looked the way we could maybe score a goal. Yeah, yep. uh, that makes a change, doesn't it, for Marquise Stoke? So <laughs> definitely a big positive there. Uh, Southampton's equaliser was a weird one. Um, I mean... Like, like I said, we did seem determined to shoot ourselves in the foot, but that is a bloody good goal, isn't it? That was like Tekken or something. It was. Amazing. <laughs> it was. It was a. It was a lovely finish. There was nothing Jack Butland really could do about that one. It just, yeah. I don't know if it was <coughs> us just switching off a little bit and letting them have the ball at that point, but it, it was a really good goal and. Yeah, it was just nice. It was 100% mm. the goal you'd concede to a team who was struggling to score goals. <laughs> Shane yeah. Long nonchalantly yeah. kicks his foot out, <laughs> which flies it straight into a bicycle kicking my Yoshida. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. just sod's law, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, once again, we've reacted to uh, conceding a goal, which I like about us this season. We did it against West Brom and we've done it against Man United, where we've conceded a goal and not let that be that you know we've we are starting to score more goals from losing and drawing situations and what a goal goal of the season lads this <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should have had a penalty in the build-up uh chupo has a shot i think and but crouch is there two yards out uh to score what is a spectacular goal i enjoyed the uh, belly slide celebration i'm enjoying most things about peter crouch at the moment i can't lie even in his post-match interview, he's just like such a nice guy. So, oh yeah, uh, I remember missing a penalty once, uh, so Sado will be fine. So, uh, just like, uh, I just, I just love Crouchy lads. I think he's so good. I think he's just been such a obviously massive part of our recent history. But he's still coming out with important goals for us. Thirty-seven years old. I mean, what that tells us about our striking situation is another matter. But oh, what a guy! I don't think I don't think he gets enough appreciation on this podcast. So there you go. <laughs> I I agree. I think we've been quite almost a little bit negative on Crouch, especially last year. But I mean, he's he does consistently seem to pull some together for us. And whether it improves our playing style or not, um, you have to say that as a team, when Crouch comes on, we do seem to understand how to play towards him and people do try and get near him. At least that's how it seems this season. Um, the real question, and I'm sure you'll have an opinion on it, Dave, is whether we play Crouch as a starting, in the starting lineup next week. No, after the international break, instead of uh, Sido. I think I probably would, but then I don't know. Right, yeah, we'll, we'll hit the elephant in the room then. Sido Berahino, one minute after our goal, wins a penalty for us and is determined to get the ball to take the penalty. So first of all, how do we feel about him taking one? Should we have a set penalty taker? Sh- should it be him, you know? I think I've perhaps suggested that Saido should take pens in the past, and perhaps that's come back to, to bite me, but uh, should we have a set penalty taker at the club? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> m- maybe. Well, uh, uh, we would have had a set penalty taker, but um, engineered a move away to West Ham in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing. We're just lacking anyone on the pitch who you'd look at and go you've done penalties for a long time you're secure in them but I wouldn't give the guy who'd missed three penalties since he last scored a goal the chance to score to miss a penalty and um, (laughs) lo and behold what happened Mm. okay so right he misses a penalty that happens and obviously it's 
very unfortunate for Sido, given the run he's on, that he, that he misses the penalty. But Sido is a player for us. I don't think he's very good. I, <laughs> I, I honestly cannot see a future for him at Stoke, particularly with his goal-scoring record, but also in his all-round play, I don't see what a lot of people are, are seeing in the absence of goals. I'm not seeing this great hold-up player. I'm not seeing this great link-up player. I'm seeing a guy obviously shot for confidence, obviously kind of just... I don't think he reads the game very well at, at all. I don't think he's uh, kind of got it within him to make situations happen for himself. I think there's a reason Peter Crouch gets in those situations two yards out and Saido Berahino doesn't, because I think his reading of the game, his reading of the other players we've got, is pretty awful. And when we're defending from the front as well, I'd much rather have Crouch, because Berahino, he's got no physicality. And he cannot defend from the front. He's like chasing chasing shadows all the time. And I honestly cannot fathom what... Well, I can fathom what Hughes saw in him because he saw the player he was in that first season at West Brom. But something's not right with our transfer system if Hughes thought he was worth 12 million quid. Chris, yeah. what do you think? I mean, I, I, I understand completely your point and your frustration with it. But, I mean, for me, the issue with Sido is that he's he, he clearly isn't there mentally there is no doubt that he is I, I think he is a talented a talented player and I think you don't have yeah it was a few seasons ago but you don't have the season like you had it like he had at West Brom and get in those positions and score some decent enough goals and then suddenly lose the ability I don't at least I don't think that it, it what what we're saying is that 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 season would therefore be an entire fluke on his part whereas I think it suggests that he does have the the ability to play but I think he's completely shot for confidence now I'm I'm I agree that I thought he he needed to pick up that ball and take that penalty yesterday if it had gone in I think that's a different story and I think a lot of what is happening with Saido is just mentality he's he, he's struggling and he's he's still a young lad and he's had near what two and a bit seasons where he's been abused by West Brom fans and cast out of a system and that's going to affect a player and he's been told told and time and time again by a club that brought him up that but by their fans, oh, you're you're just a snake. You're a, you, calling him all kinds of stuff. Now I'm not. I mean, I'm not getting into the issues of whether he was right or wrong. But that's going to affect a person and their confidence, and it's going to take a lot of effort to get it him back up to standard. Whether it's a question of him being good enough for Stoke, I would agree that at this moment in time, it isn't. It, it doesn't work for Sido. Incidentally, I thought yesterday was one of his better games for us because I thought that he was doing some decent enough movement. I thought he suffered from what we said about earlier, where it was we were so deep that he was so isolated and he needed people up and around him. I thought it was a good movement on his part for the for the penalty. <sighs> Awful penalty that he took. Um but but I wouldn't but I think it, like, you know, every, every ten other times if that had happened, I'd still want him to take the penalty. Because he needs a goal and he needs to restore some form of confidence and I think more than anything I probably just feel very very sympathetic towards it. um I don't have this this hatred for him that I've seen from from other Stoke fans where you know thinking that he's lazy or that he's uh, a bad person or whatever I, I just think that he's shot for confidence and he needs some help to rebuild his mentality whether whether that comes at the expense of him you know of our of our team that's Right, right, okay. 
if, if Sarido scores that pen, I'm not backing Sarido to go on a scoring run. I'm sorry. I just How many chances has he realistically had? Now, I know what you said about our, our build-up play feeds into that, definitely. Because, yeah, there are times where he has been isolated and that's not been his fault. That's been the fault of the way we've set up in games. But say Forster dives the other way and that pen trickles in. I don't think Sardo Berahino scores until he gets another penalty, to be perfectly honest, because he's not getting in positions to score. Now, that that might, you know, you can argue the, the extent to which that's his fault, but he's just not struck me either last season or this season when he supposedly had a big, you know, sit-down pre-season and everything's, you know, been, been done to, to help him. I just don't think he's good enough. I, I think a lot of it is... It was, I can't remember who I was listening to in the week. It was some podcast. But they were talking about strikers acting on instinct. And when you're shot for confidence, you, you don't you, you don't rely on instinct. You go you, you question every single move you do, and that involves your position making as well. You question where you should be on the pitch. You don't think you you don't rely on just what you have done so naturally. You you start to double uh take everything. Um I think the difference, say, between a Peter Crouch and Sido is that yes, Peter Crouch gets in those positions, but I do think if you look if you look at the build up to Peter Crouch's goal, we're pushing and pushing and pushing for the forward. And we are getting players in and around the box. Take the first half where Sido's there and we're not doing that as much. And so I mean Crouch is you've got to think as well, Crouch is a seasoned veteran. He He's he's not shot for confidence, and he's also like he's got years of this experience. He he knows how oh, I'll just get in and around this position, and someone will go off me, and it will be fine. Sido isn't acting on that, and I mean, I I, I think it is, yeah, I'm purely acting out of sympathy for the lad because I just want him. I, it's quite clear that he's just very sad. <laughs> Tom, what do you think? Um, I think maybe to step back and look at it, it might be to do with the bigger picture of. Have we ever really been able to create a system that gets a striker who isn't Peter Crouch working? Because when Peter Crouch comes on the pitch, there's only one way you're going to play. It's going to go long to him. You're going to try and get flick-ons. Once you've got the flick-on, Crouch is just going to move into the middle of the box somewhere and hope for a ball to come to him and he'll try and put it away. Yeah, we've, we've talked with this is... What number striker are we on now? Three, four, where we're saying... Oh, they're not doing it. It was Wilfred Bonny last season. It was Juve the season before that, after he'd had a good season up front. So, this is the thing. And I'll come back to it and say, okay, the false nine hasn't really worked this year, but it seemed to be our best system because it doesn't rely on the striker being the one trying to claim the chances. It relies on the two players outside of him getting into the box and working. So, I don't know. I'm sort of reasonably neutral on it. Um... I imagine Sido at half time would have been um, like Ian Beale in EastEnders, just sobbing. Got nothing <laughs> left. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was an awful penalty. And I've just been looking at it and excluding the touch for the penalty, Berahino's had four touches in the box in 70 minutes and Crouch has had three in 20. So I don't know. I, I, I understand both of you sides. I understand that he's shot of confidence and therefore. He's overanalyzing everything in his game and really struggling to just go out there and play football. But I also understand that, well, we've paid £12 million for him and we need him to be scoring goals. Sorry if you're a bit upset, mate. Get over it. 
Yeah, uh, that, that, that's that's essentially it. I don't I don't want to uh, just pick on him, but I just think we've got to kind of prioritise what's best for Stoke. And at the moment, Soda Berahino is is not what's best for Stoke, in my opinion. Uh, we'll move on then to uh, another area of the team which caused some concern yesterday. The back three, it was a, another makeshift back three. And I was pleased that we actually were able to put some defenders out. Uh, we had Zuma, Cameron and Wimmer. Um, how did you rate that back three? Because I thought Zuma was great, Wimmer really wasn't, and Cameron was somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would agree. I thought Zuma was um, absolutely fantastic. One of my candidates for man of the match, definitely. Um, Jeff, I didn't really notice, so I will assume that that means he didn't make anything uh, disastrous happen. Um, and Vimmer, again, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a, a shining performance from our new centre back. Um, we haven't really seen one yet from Wimmer, which is concerning. He's he's looked kind of ropey. I don't know if it's obviously he's playing with a new team, perhaps a new system, but yeah, uh, he looks like a guy who hasn't played football in a while. <laughs> yeah, that... and we paid eighteen million quid for him. <laughs> yeah, it, he. I don't think we could say he's hit the ground running, but equally, I think he has to be given the time to to build his confidence in this team because yeah, he hasn't played regular football and he hasn't played, to my knowledge, much in a three at the back system. Tom may know otherwise, but uh, um, but yeah, I, I I'm willing to let him let him grow. Yeah, I think it, it's something, isn't it? I think centre back really is a position where got to be familiar with the system familiar with the players around you familiar with your goalkeeper etc but yeah for 18 million I think I'd want a bit more and I thought Cameron was nearly just as poor as Wimmer because of this whole lopsided formation thing Cameron's been at the club for donkey's years so's Juf they know each other they should be able to sort out whether they're playing in a four with each other and the rest of the back four or still with the five at the back system um, and that just really frustrated me because it wasn't just, okay, Juf goes forward and there was three left at the back, and but it was wonky. It was Cameron was at right back and then we had two centre-backs and no left back. And I think Cameron probably needs to be, yeah, he is the most experienced player um, for Stoke in that, in that back three. So he needs to grab the bull by the horns and sort it all out. But I just really can't wait for Martin's Indian Shawcross to be back because I think that's one thing we have looked good defensively when those when we get the the duck back three is what <laughs> we're calling it. Yes, um, that is God. I can't wait for Ryan to be back. I miss him. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, I mean, without focusing too much on the negatives, let's let's look at the positives. Like Kurt Zuma is absolutely phenomenal. Like he is such a good player, and I can't believe Chelsea let him out on loan. It's like like he is so good. Yeah, I I got no complaints at all with Zuma. I mean, he, he's just his middle name is Happy. I mean, <laughs> how, how can you not like a guy whose middle name is Happy? And he's just been so good and kind of uh, the I'd say our best defensive player this season. Obviously, we do miss Shawcross massively, and and that has shown in recent weeks. But uh, yeah, he's one of my standout kind of players of the season so far. Uh, just on other players we thought played well yesterday to kind of uh, go positive. Uh, Juf, I think, got the man of the match award at the ground. Did we agree with that? No. Yeah. No. Ooh. No. no. Ooh. I, I can't look past Shakiri for being not man of the match in any of our games so far this season. Um, but yeah, I'm totally fine with Juve having it because I love him. 
<laughs> well, I thought we were gonna. I thought we were gonna have an argument then over it, but no. I, I, yeah, I agree with Tom. It, it, like, I, no, no issues with Chief getting it. Shakiri, I think, was brilliant, but then for the most part, these man of the matches go to the people who score the goal, don't they? So, um, did you see uh, Mamjoof tweet last night that he'd happy, he'd happily play up front at right wing back or in goal, and he gave hundred <laughs> percent. Like, yes, ma'am. Oh, Mam in goal would be hilarious. I'd, I'd pay to watch that. Perhaps I, I, in the end of season, dead rubber, we can stick Mam in goal and just see what happens. No, it'll be in an FA Cup court final. That's when it will happen. <laughs> and it'll be unexpectedly really good. Sure <laughs> and then get stuck there when Butler gets injured again. <laughs> uh, Andrew Keary, yeah, I think once again he's like really just taken up the the mantle of being our talisman this season. Uh, grabs another assist. He nearly grabbed a couple of other assists. I think he's just just dictating our play at the moment. And, you know, considering how much we've kind of struggled uh, to create chances, he has been the one that is doing uh, kind of 90% of that. I think he's just been fantastic. But there are still those out the ground who just kind of love to <laughs> to pile in when he, when he misplays a pass. I mean, there was a moment there where he was... I think trying a step over and he kicked it out of play or something. Yeah. And he thought, right, fine, I'll take them all day long for what he does offer, which is just just gliding about the pitch so well. It's just great to watch. And God knows we've we've missed that. And uh, yeah, Joe Allen never again at ten, please ever, because the contrast between Shakiri when he was playing behind the striker and Joe Joe Allen mm. at times last season is just like it's night and day, isn't it? So. What did you uh, um what did you guys make of Joe Allen yesterday out of interest? I thought he was it was one of his best games of the season. Uh I don't think he was like amazing. I'd say it was a seven out of ten performance. Uh I'd say he probably had a better game than Darren Fletcher, uh, because I think he just offered a athleticism and it was an occasion where his tenacity actually worked for us at times I thought and he kind of there was occasions where he broke away with the ball he kind of uh, he, he broke up play reasonably well I thought um, I think we were kind of outnumbered in midfield at times and that kind of contributed to us sitting so deep but I thought Joe Allen did that role well on the whole what about yeah, you? I think um, someone's given Joe Allen the key to the cage he's finally out of it he's finally playing <laughs> as a box to box midfielder which I because I, I, I've been been hammering Allen all season and sort of saying what's he in the team to do his defensive work as a holding midfielder for me isn't very good he seems to be able to do it for Wales I don't know what that is but we won't get into it but for me we need that third runner that he was he was box to box he genuinely was overlapping Kiri and even Berahino and Chupo sometimes which pleasing because we've really lacked that we've sort of ended up just having three players attacking and they get crowded out but it's nice to see someone run around and drag midfielders and defenders out of position and yeah he didn't do it very well um he, he technically he had failings in his game his tackling wasn't brilliant um but his passing was better and it was just a, an intent thing rather than a execution yeah um we'll, we'll have some stats then Tom because I know you like them uh, just, just so I've, I've seen on the BBC Sport website, Saido Barahino is now without a goal in 31 hours and 48 minutes of Premier League football. <laughs> <coughs> I mean, really? Are we? Yeah. But he just needs one, and then it'll be another 31 hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. We had. <coughs> we uh, this was mentioned before. We had 30% possession yesterday. Do we just need to give our opponents the ball and hope that 
they kind of uh, allow us to to break on them is that going to be our tactic going forward and would you like to see that well when you've got a team in Southampton who now have scored I don't know are we going to count that that goal they scored last weekend as open play sort of came from a corner let's not count it as open play they've scored two open play goals from seven matches I am totally content to let them have the ball for as long as they want it um, and yeah, I don't like Stoke having the ball. We're not very good at it. We uh, we get mm. we we push too high up, and then Varo Morata runs through our defence. <laughs> Lose. Yeah, yeah. It was hard to read what their tactics were yesterday because initially I thought they were trying to just knock it over the top to Shane Long, uh, and there were a couple of occasions where I thought, oh, they've got him in behind us here, but they just. They were they were playing for a one nil defeat. It seemed to me it was really weird. They're a really weird side. They they they're just so boring to watch. Oh. <laughs> uh, Crouch is the oldest player to score in the Premier League this season at thirty six years, two hundred forty three days old. Uh, Southampton have given away ten penalties in the Premier League since the start of the season. Uh, since the start of last season, sorry, <laughs> uh, a joint high among current top flight teams. And we should have had one in the build to the second goal. What's up with them? They're not great at defending. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what, what, what did we make of Van Dyke yesterday? Uh, I thought there were times where, obviously, he was a, a big player for them. I think he had a few blocks and stuff. Uh, but is he this £40 million player Liverpool have been chasing? Uh, maybe not on yesterday yesterday's performance. But, I I mean, that was, what, one of his first games back from not playing for ages. So, he... Mm. He 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 was one of their better players. I'll give him that, and you can see that on a good day he is going to be instrumental for them, and they probably will get a lot of money for him when Liverpool come back for him because he is a yeah he is a good player. But yeah, there were a few occasions yesterday where he knocked it out for a corner rather than I don't know passing it or whatever. He he seemed a little bit nervous maybe to me. Yeah. Um... The one player I did think played well for them was Mario Lamina, who obviously we were rumoured to be in for uh, during the summer, I think. I think he would really add a lot to our team, and it's a shame we didn't get him because he just seemed so comfortable on the ball, uh, just kind of found space most of the time, and just kind of mo- he kind of ran the game in midfield, I thought. Um, I, I don't know, did, did anyone in Southampton particularly impress you? Um, uh, yeah, I thought Lamina was good, but I thought I thought their usual characters struggled. I thought normally I think Romeo is one of the best midfielders in the Premier League, and same with Van Dijk. But I thought they were both very average, and I think it's um, like you say, Lamina did look so good, and then you compare that to Fletcher, who's definitely had his worst game for Stoke uh, in mm-hmm. that game, and yeah, it's just a bit. Is Fletcher the 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 solu- the long term solution? A thirty three year old who's not that mobile in a system where you're going to often have two midfielders versus three. Uh, yeah, I, I really would have liked us to sign Lamina, but yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll wrap up then. Uh, just kind of assess where we are this season. We've got eight points, haven't we? Uh, international break next week, followed by Man City away, which is you know a guaranteed three points. So. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling about the season as it's shaping up at the moment? Oh, have we improved significantly enough to kind of allay your fears about Mark Hughes that you had going into the start of the season? <laughs> um, it, it, in the grand scheme of things, yes. I think that it was it's very important that we got points, picked up points early on in the season to kind of quell any doubt that was there. I still think that we do have 
issues and there are a lot of things we could still still work on we're not quite at a level where i feel we can push on you know that that push on like which is a real i don't know what that term actually means but um but yeah i i think we we are definitely better than we were last season but we're not quite there where i think we're going to push for another ninth place finish yet tom are we going to win the league? No, we're not going to win the league, unfortunately, because we don't play in Manchester, and that seems to be the correlation. If you play in Manchester, <laughs> you'll win the league this year. Um, I have a mass. Well, I don't act metaphorically. I have a massive case file stuff that Mark Hughes has done wrong, and okay, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not flicking through it right now, but it's certainly not. I haven't put it in the bin yet. Let's let's put it like right. that. But my hope is, um, this is a real file. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> He's put together a little scrapbook with like <laughs> fell tips and <laughs> just work on it every night, crying softly. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but no, I, I'm reasonably positive because I think all the other mid tables look garbage, apart from maybe <laughs> what uh, yeah. Everton have looked awful. We only lost to them because of narrative. Yeah, um, <laughs> and Watford. Well, Watford should have lost to West Brom. Uh, They've got Marco Silva, which is sad because I wanted us to have Marco Silva. But yeah, they're they're a team who've got really good players, but you know, I, I, I'm not that convinced, and I'm not that convinced by Stoke either. But I don't think we're mm. going to go down because there is some really bad teams in the league this season. So yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a nice place for Stoke to be, just aspiring to be the best of a bad bunch, and <laughs> you know, if that's our if that's our role this season, then by all means, let's let's do it. Right, I think we'll uh, have to wrap up there because my laptop is slowly running out of battery. Thank you very much for listening to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. We're back next week for episode 72 with three Stoke legends just talking about Stoke and it's going to be great. So make sure you get that when it comes out. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, everyone. Uh, yeah, so Wizards of Drivel on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Theme tune by Devonier. Thank you very much for listening. Go on, Stoke. <laughs>